0: you're listening to the entrepreneur ignited podcast where we aim to simplify online business so you can make more money now here's your host Derek gale
1: Welcome to the entrepreneur night ignited podcast. This is your host, Eric Gale. And, uh, in this episode, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to interview, uh, an internet entrepreneur that I've, I've known for, well, I've known for well over a decade and, uh, that I have a, a massive amount of respect for, um, for two things. First of all, you know, he's got an incredible story and, uh, He built an incredible business, a business now that has helped uh, probably millions of people uh, start learning to play piano. And the second reason I have so much respect for him is he's such a savvy internet marketer uh, because he has taken – this business, when I've watched businesses come and go and consistently grown that business over the past decade. And one of his keys to success is the level of automation that he applies to everything in his business and in his marketing, to the point that, uh, you know, I think it would be fair to call him the the king of automation. You know, he's been named Infusionsoft Marketer of the Year. uh, And uh, he's just a damn smart internet marketer. So uh, I'd like to welcome Jermaine, Griggs to our show. Jermaine, thanks for taking the time to be here.
0: Hey, Derek, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, especially with you, because you're a big part of my earlier story, you and Corey, so it's just great to come full circle.
1: That is awesome. It, it, it is awesome, and I was totally looking forward to this day. It's been a while since we've had a chance to catch up. But you know, it's funny, on Facebook, because of Facebook, you know, <laughs> even if you don't talk to somebody often, if you're friends with them on Facebook, you just kind of feel like you know what's going on in their life, right? You know, you can go and check, see what what they're up to. Although you're not an avid Facebook poster. Right. I I think I'm a lurker though. So I'm watching.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm posting, you know, two, three times a year, but better believe I'm watching. So you're absolutely right. I feel like I, even though I haven't seen you, that I've kept up with you Uh, and you you know, you're still here.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So Jeremy we've got a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that you know have just started this journey into uh building businesses online and people that are further along but you know where i want to start before we get into the automation can you just share your story of how you how you got started and uh cuz i truly believe it's it, it is such an inspiration uh to people and so I'm going to pass this to you. Just take a few minutes, share your story. How did you get started with Here and Play? And, and tell us sort of the, the process you went through.
0: Absolutely. It it really was a natural progression. I had been playing piano since like the age of seven. And you've heard the story so many times, Derek, but uh, my grandma had this piano and she would play it in our living room. I lived with my grandma, my mom, and my sister. And we lived in uh, the inner cities, like these these projects. I didn't know they were car projects until my friends in high school told me, oh, you live in the projects. But it's just <laughs> this, this community of apartment buildings. And uh, what we did have, though, was this. Close close-knit, loving family relationship. To this day, my wife's like, your family is just too much. You guys meet every other week for something. And that's what we had. And so I admired my grandma on that piano and I would get the pots and pans and play them. And eventually I got on there And she had like a church gospel sound. And so I developed kind of like my own little sound. And then, you know, by seven, eight, I'm playing Disney tunes. I'm hearing, I just developed this knack for playing the piano without sheet music. And that's important because that would be my specialty with hear and play. Almost a decade later, teaching people how to play without sheet music, just as I had done it. And, you know, some of that was just natural proclivities, but a lot of it was learning these patterns and learning how to listen strategically to the music. You could listen to the music one way if you're not a musician, and I can listen to it a totally different way and say, see, see how you know singing your ABCs is the same as singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star? Like those songs are the same, but it could fool the non-musician. So I just developed this interesting way of looking at music. And then here I am playing for church at 10, and then playing for choirs and starting stuff in my high school, you know, by 13, 14. And then neighborhood kids, parents are asking me to teach these kids, and I'm like, okay, I'll. I'll do it. So here I am with six, seven students. And one thing that I don't know how I I got it, but someone's, uh, I just had this this need to write it down, like, you know, make workbooks out of this stuff. So I already had like an automation leverage mindset at 16. I was like, well, teaching the same thing to Chrissy over here as I'm teaching to Mike. Well, let me write down how to play the scales the way I have learned them and how to play the chords and that became like my first set of products like my first workbooks and uh, and then obviously I'm also on the internet at this time AOL 2.0 baby this is how you (laughs) you've got mail you've got mail and one thing about me it wasn't just the piano but you know in thinking real rich Napoleon Hill talks about this burning desire Derek and you know, as young as I can remember, I just had this desire to just be something more. Like I was that kid, I wasn't worried about playing the Game Boy. Here I am like I sold Avon at 12. <laughs> the lady I answered the ad in the little magazine and the lady knocks on the door and she looks down at her paper. And she says, "I'm here to see Jermaine." I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Is your mom here?" I said, "Well, I'm Jermaine. You're talking to Jermaine. Look down. That's me, you know." <laughs> mom signs up in my downline, grandma signs up in her downline, Grandpa signs up in her downline and we're in business. So that's that same kid, right? Who's willing to do that at 12 is that same kid who at 16 is ready to, you know, harness this Internet thing and figure it out. And that's when hearandplay.com, which is my company name. What do I do? I hear and I play. Simple as that. Here and Play was born August 6, 2000. We're actually celebrating 15 years uh this month, Derek. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And it's been a journey. It's been a it's been a journey and it wasn't always easy. I can't say August 6, 2000. <laughs> I put up that site and the masses came, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, no. It, it, and you know, it's funny, I, th- I think a lot of people look back on businesses and go, oh, you know, you just put up a site and, and, and it was successful, but you had to put in a lot of hard work. Now, uh, you've done something that uh, is a bit of an exception, actually, and that is you had a business that you started back in 2000, and uh, I think it's safe to say that in your niche, in the how to play piano niche, um, in general, there's a fair whack of competition. Mm. Uh, it's huge. Did-
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we've got. Wait, uh, Derek. I, I kind of missed that line. You might have to edit this. You said lack of competition. No, no,
1: you know, you have a ton of competition. Oh, okay. I, I thought I yeah. heard lack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 good. No, we're good. We don't need to edit. This is off the cuff. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, you don't have any competition. No, you have a ton of competition. and, and, and Yeah, and uh, over the past decade, with a ton of competition you've managed to consistently sustain and grow your business. And through that, you've also become known as kind of the automation king, this automation expert, and obviously a very savvy marketer. Now, what I want to dig into with you today is how, how did you go from, obviously, you had a few books, you had your piano courses initially. Um, in, in the early days, it was easier to get traffic for sure, right? But it became more competitive. How did you evolve your business to effectively compete in today's market, particularly in a niche that has so much competition?
0: Absolutely. I think in uh, and then over the years, that's, that's actually where you, you and Corey come into the picture where I actually figured this thing out, um, infusing direct response marketing with uh, what I had already done, you know, built up a small community of musicians. But Over the years, um, I've got to say that I probably have a lot to do with building competition because half of the websites I see pop up will come to me saying, Man, I was inspired by your story and I'm a piano (laughs) teacher. I'm like, Really? Okay. (laughs) But uh, yes, we we have a lot of competition. We have the big boys, we got the big publishers on one end, but then we got the mom and pops, you know, putting up uh, sites. And then we got the garage piano players on YouTube. And YouTube's a huge competitor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you're not looking at YouTube as an, a real potential threat. I mean, it's it's huge, you know, because you can just go type in a song on YouTube, and there, and there you have it. Um, so yeah, th- those are our threats. And uh, so what we've done over the years. Is uh, really harness the power of personalization, right? I always tell people that uh, the problem with the internet is there's too much information now, and it creates the opportunity to give people the right information in the right order with the right plan, right? So just the abundance of information is, is not enough. It creates opportunities, and so what I I noticed. Um, Uh, early on is that if I grab somebody's name and email, like there's two ways to do this. Everybody says the money's in the list and it is in the list, right? But a fortune is in the data rich, personalized, experienced driven, uh, if you will, list. And that's around 2006, 2007. I really started to harness when I get someone's email, I don't want to take them down a personal path, if you will. And the best way to describe this, like a big box kind of retailer, is Amazon. And we know Amazon is all about selling. I mean, you don't go to Amazon particularly to get information like Wikipedia. You go there to buy, right? But unlike most other retailers, what happens when you view cameras on Amazon? What happens when you show interest in business books or uh, horror fiction novels or what have you? You start to get an experience on Amazon, not only on the page, but off the page via email. You get follow up based on other viewers and based on other data, based on things you viewed. And Amazon's got some kind of proprietary thing that makes sure they don't overwhelm Derek all at once because I know he's looked at 10 different things. But over time, we're going to push those things back to Derek if he hasn't taken action. And in a similar way with Here and Play, you know, I you have to ask a lot of questions. So while the other marketers are going for first name and email saying, you know, your conversions will be through the roof, you know, I step back And I say, well, what will happen if I ask them for what skill level they're on? Because I believe if I know whether they're beginner, intermediate, or advanced – uh, that I can take them, first of all, down a personal path uh, that won't, won't overwhelm them if they're a beginner, but won't underwhelm them if they're advanced. So, that alone. And if that's worth two percentage points of opt in, so if I'm getting 38% instead of 40%, i am willing because I'm going to make that up in the when you look at the lifetime value, when you look at the value of that person going through that funnel, knowing that they're a beginner versus advanced. And then, likewise, I said, well, what if I add their skill level, you know, if, I mean, not their skill level, their, their genre, their favorite style, you know, so if I know they're jazz oriented or they want to learn gospel church, like me and my grandma came up with, oh man, those are two different people. So that probably was my biggest distinction in the in the beginning uh, that really set me apart from even the other would-be, could-be internet marketers taking the same advice that I learned, but I was able to take it a step further. Until this day, you'll get a personal experience from me, depending on what you tell me.
1: Uh, okay, so I, what you just said was so loaded with <laughs> important tips. Um, I hope everybody listening is taking note. Now I'm going to, I'm going to reverse here and and highlight a couple of the key things that, that, um, that stood out. And there was a lot that stood out to me. Uh, you know, the first thing you said there was, uh, I think anybody starting out uh, needs to listen to. And that is the fact that we're in a place now where there's too much information out there Mm. and so you're a perfect example you teach people how to play piano you're in a niche within that space teaching people how to play piano by ear but like you said you have competitors from big companies to the small guys in their garage to the youtube and i mean youtube's massive you can go there and learn how to play any song so you know so many people starting out say to me well uh, there's all this free stuff how am I ever going to compete? But I love your how you positioned that, and I you know I'm going to steal that for the future positioning. Just so you know, because <laughs> it was so because <laughs> it was so good. Um, people ask me that all the time, and I'm like, well, you know, I always try to explain. Look, people people want it in a in a concise. They want to know they're getting the right information in the right order, and, and you put it perfectly, right? There's people want good information. They want it personalized. They want it in the right order, and you know yeah I love what you're talking about there, as far as personalization, which is the next point because there's still and i'm guilty of it I'm totally guilty of it as you're yeah. just like you know first name email address in fact, in fact, there's a swing now in the internet marketing space where there's a lot of people standing up saying, don't ask for first name, just ask for email you'll get more people to opt in now <laughs> which is it's interesting to hear your positioning on it you're saying no, 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 no.' If they don't give me, if they're not willing to give me a little bit more information, I'm willing to forego having them on their your list, my list. Absolutely, absolutely, and that that makes total sense because you're building quality in your database, and and I think that's a tough one. I know for marketers, it's that you know it's the quantity versus quality, and I mean you've been around the space for so long. We all like to you know. Talk about how big our database is, right? You know, right, right. <laughs> but it's not the size; it's the it's the quality and the and the personalization. Now, um, when you talk about personalization, so you're you're asking obviously for first name you're asking for uh email uh, how far do you go and a uh, two-part question how far how much information will you ask for and do you ask for it all at once or do you just start them with a hey what's your email first name now tell me this
0: right a very good question and i'll tell you over the span of our relationship uh i asked for a lot of information but definitely not at once so i i'm in agreement with you and the other marketers that say you know obviously the more you ask your conversions are naturally going to lower even from a well-intentioned person you know mm-hmm. people are just bombarded and there's just a attention problem now we've all got add either forced upon us or naturally uh, <laughs> an email daily and facebook and all this stuff i mean from the best of us from the best of the well-intentioned, focused people, we just can't help it. Facebook is calling us like 10 minutes after we get on off this call, Derek. We're gonna like, our fingers are naturally gonna type it in our computers. Uh, and that's what we're dealing with. So yes, up front, I'm only going to ask for two additional pieces of information and the pieces of information that I ask for are in alignment with my offer. That's important, right? So, you know, you can't just ask for some stuff that people are going to say, why do you want to know that? See, so that's the question I must answer. Why do you want to know that? Okay. So, okay. I'm asking for first name and email. And then I ask you whether you're a beginner, intermediate or advanced, your skill level. Okay. Does that naturally answer the question? Why would you want to know that? Like if some jerk emailed us and said, why do you want to know if I'm a beginner intermediate advanced i would have fun with my reply <laughs> right so that would yeah. be that'd be my first thing like could i have fun you know answering a, a sarcastic question why why would i want to know this okay here, here this is you know and then genre makes sense because if you're in a jazz i don't want to send you gospel church if you're in a pop i don't want to send you rock you know so that those work but then what i do is my offering there's other pages though like on the blog i look at uh what they're doing if they're reading a blog post well i might pop up first name and email and then on the next page i I already got them locked in and robert cialdini taught us that in the book influence right commitment and consistency and it's true you know micro commitments and it's true start with you know name and email in some instances but on the next page i do not give up the opportunity to collect that skill level and that genre in fact my sequence can't start without it my sequence is And my follow-up wouldn't make sense without that information, Derek. I can't even get you started. The most I can do with you the way I have things set up is remind you to go back to that page and give me your skill level and genre. It's not even set up outside of that because I can't. It's not set up. Like I can only go generic with you. And a long time ago, I stopped going generic. So you have to go down a path with me. And then the thing is, once you do that, I send you the four videos. And I break them up on purpose because... If someone wants to put me to the test, go sign up at hearandplay.com. Under each video is two additional pieces of information. I want to know why you want to play piano. And Derek, this hasn't changed since we were on the road. We skipped that part of the story. But in the earlier days, I mean, I was asking this stuff back in 2003 when we didn't even have all of the infusion sauce and the ways to like really, you know, do this stuff. But yeah, it's, it's I'm still on it. Because that stuff is important because, you know, you say you want to play piano because uh, you just want to have fun. Well, that's going to be a different sales page or a different sales video than someone who says, man, I want to make this my profession. You know, that, that's a different path. So I like to I'm a data collector for sure. And not only collecting the data because that's only half of it, you know, but uh, taking them down a the path and and even triggering emails based on that answer. Let's trigger an email, you know. Uh, a couple of days from now that just happens to tell a story specifically about that scenario. They answered, you know, stuff like that. And it's easy in this landscape uh, and, and, and this environment with technology.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's that's the, the the crux of where we are today versus where we used to be. And we've been doing this for a long time is technology makes us so much easier than it used to. Now, uh, I was having, uh, I was down at a, a conference in, in Las Vegas uh, probably about a month ago. And I had, uh, I, I met up with a, a fellow entrepreneur, Chet Womack, who we both know. Oh, and yes. uh, we got onto the topic of, of, of you and, and Chet was saying, you know, Jermaine's just such a smart marketer. He's got it so dialed in, you know, he drops an email email address in the front end of his website and money comes out the back end right (laughs) (laughs) and he's just he's created this this machine now uh, how many just to to give a give some scope here how many funnels now exist within the hear and play umbrella if you had to if you and i don't even know if you could answer this question but how many paths are there
0: There's so many paths, Derek. I don't want to scare anybody, but in terms of like unique campaigns is probably easily six dozen different like sort of campaigns. But then within... Like my big campaign, that for video one, that's like my bread and butter. That's one hundred <laughs> uh, and sixty eight steps. And I don't want to scare anyone. Like, did I just sit down and do one hundred sixty eight emails, one hundred sixty eight paths? Absolutely not. I, you know, over time, I've added uh, different things here and there, because when you get into automation, uh, there's so many things you can do. Now, that doesn't mean you should do them at some point. You, you know, so far down the path, you may not get the return um, on energy. But if an email takes you 10 minutes and it's a forever email that now goes in step 169, duh. I mean, if you're on Facebook liking a couple photos in 20 minutes, when you could just pop out an email that you can add, you know, at the end of, you know, for example, like uh, nowadays, like when we first got started, we couldn't do this. But think about it. okay I can send you an email, Derek. And now i got many things. I can track whether you open that email. That's not too hard. And if I wanted to, I could pop out an email a day later just because you opened that email, you know, depending on what technology you're using. um, I can say opens too much. Well, if Derek clicks the email, I can pop out you know, some other step, Um, you know, an hour later, we'd even do stuff where we'll text message them like two minutes after they click, you know, from one of my sales reps trying to get them on the phone to to close. Um, I mean, so, and then there's if they don't do it. So you got all the actions they can do. And then there's like, what happens if they don't do it? And so that's like four options right there. Now times that by like just five emails and you've got many different things. And like I said, it doesn't make sense to to take down, like if this was a tree and those were all branches, it doesn't make sense to go far down every branch. But then, like me, when you start getting to skill level and genre, it does create an opportunity like Amazon to be like, whoa, you know, if Derek clicks the last, you know, couple emails, let's send him the offer. Let's get him to the sales page. And then if he gets to the sales page, well, there's opportunities there, too. Does he order? No. Does he... Opt into something else. Sure. So it what I'm trying to say is it naturally this isn't like I can't think of 168 things. You don't have to. You just answer the next question. You just say, well, what happens if they do what I want? And what happens if they don't? And then um, I got I got uh, this was a, a eye opener. People don't even read. I mean, think about open rates. If you've got a 20 percent open rate, that means 80 percent didn't even read it. If you got um a uh, 10 12% click, that means 88% didn't even click. Your follow up could be just forwarding them the same email <laughs> that they didn't click on yesterday. And there that doubles your follow up. And it doesn't even matter because they didn't even
1: see it. That's incredible. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And uh you know, there's there's so many things that affect um email. And you're right. Like, I mean, open rate, we talk about open rate and what's our open rate. You know, it totally depends, but let's say it's 15 or 20%. There's still 80% of the people that you haven't engaged with. So you need to keep working on those people. Now, when you drop, when somebody comes to your website, all right, I come to your website and uh, I opt in for your four lesson series, I start giving you that data. What is the sequence? What is the length of the sequence that is automated? Now, I know a lot of people say, hey, I've got my first 10 days automated, and they start, then they just start sending out random campaigns, and there's no real thought behind it. And uh, I've always been a big believer is automate as far out as you can. Right. So h- how far out do you go in your automation?
0: Well, that sequence, because it's my bread and butter, uh, if you give me your email today, let's just say, and I'm not uh, hoping this happens, but I could pass away tomorrow and you would still hear from Jermaine Griggs two years later, I thought that guy died. You know,
1: <laughs> so uh, I, I would live on at least. I mean, in a very
0: authentic, real way, you would be like, "Oh my gosh, what is oh going on God. here?" That that would literally happen. I mean, like I'm launching stuff. Everything is so evergreen. I'm so careful and don't mention, you know, current events. I mean, yeah. you you would think like my uh, buddy was playing basketball with me last year. We were at 24 Hour Fitness late. You know, all of us were playing, and he was like, "Man, aren't you launching your jazz course?" tomorrow it's coming out like at 9 a.m i've been getting the countdowns and everything and i'm like no man it's it's only coming out for you it's coming out for you because you're at step i don't know 59 he's like whoa that's dope i'm like yeah shoot the shot man we got things to do <laughs> but that's the idea. Like I always say, okay, there's several ways to set these things up, and and I'm not saying to negate the manual part. Everybody, you know, Jeff Walker does the launches, and everybody, you can do a launch. That's 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 cool, and that that's what I would put in the manual category. But mm-hmm. that launch gives you all this data. You got conversion rates. You got email data. You got all these assets. The very next step to be then. How can I systematize this? So first it's manual, then it's systematized. And that's just saying, okay, let me take out anything specific. Let me just try to get this to the point where if I wanted to redo this or hand this off to a virtual assistant, they can almost redo this launch. I got my same videos, we've edited them, we've made them so that this could almost happen without me, again, still manual, but it's more system. And then the next step is how do I automate this? How do I make this step 30? you know, in my process. They go through my four videos, now they're on a launch, but a launch that I really orchestrated five years ago but it works so well that because they've never seen it before and it's evergreen that it will have just as much impact as when I did it five years ago you know how many people are sitting on assets of things that actually worked for them that they're no longer using or out of sight out of mind you know what Mm -hmm. I I go back to the days when me you and Corey were um, where you guys were mentoring me and I go figure out I still have an email that you guys do your inventory email that every once (laughs) in a while (laughs) I'll recycle that baby because it's not old because you use 12 years ago, it, there's new people coming through the funnel. So, yeah. you know, you got to recycle your, your stuff and try to get it automated and, and to just use it till it doesn't work anymore. And I'm not saying your automated stuff will always work, but uh, it's more better than sitting on an asset that works very well and never to be seen again.
1: You know, this is this is why, uh, you know, I think one of the other keys to your success and why I, I respect you so much as a marketer is, you know, over the last, let's call it five years, six years, product launches become huge, right? Mm-hmm. The big product launch, you know, how to launch a product, you know, the million-dollar launches. And then what I see happen is... People launch these products. They get a huge influx of business. They get all these sales and then they spend the next, you know, whatever, three months, six months, one year servicing, fulfilling those sales. But now their leads have dried up. Right. Right? And and then all of a sudden cash flow dries up and all of a sudden they're going, oh, no, where do we get our next stream of income? So, I I mean, how you've done this is in my books, the right way to do this. I love product launches. If you have a new product and you have a database and you have affiliates, launch it. Right. Get out there, launch it, use that sequence, but then do what you've done. Make it timeless. And, you know, we, we use the term evergreen. And and I think I I just want to explain what we mean when we see say evergreen, because people think what like trees and uh, and effectively evergreen means taking a launch sequence for a product and making it timeless so that it can run on autopilot. Now, I want to talk you obviously email. Email is still the foundation communication technology you're using. Is that correct?
0: Absolutely, and we do broadcasts as well, you know, because the automated sequence is only so long and then you don't want to just, in the same way, you don't want to kick those people off because you automated and then not stay in contact with them. So there's a mixture between automation and also the same broadcasting that's existed for years.
1: Yeah, and so uh, two questions for you. Obviously, you're emailing a fair amount. Now, if I was to subscribe to your list, what is the frequency that I would start to see emails come out from you?
0: That's the interesting question. And I mean, <laughs> with like Infusionsoft and some of these things, your frequency would depend on how active you are with me, actually, quite frankly, because uh, some of the emails you'll get are only because you clicked on the first video and then other emails you'll get are only because you clicked on a previous blog post. So one thing with us is that everything we do, we're collecting data. I even think with AWeber you can do this, uh, although I haven't been an AWeber member for a while. But, you know, every click, there should be some kind of label or tag that can be applied to that user's record, you know. So for us, I mean, every little click you do. And then there's future emails where, you only get them if you actually engage. So let's look at it like a sort of like a pyramid, like on the base level, you may get an email every 10 days. Right. That's just base. Like if you don't do anything, you know, I'm going to stay I'm going to stay in contact with you at least four times a month. And, and this, is where, this is where marketers go wrong because you get on their list. They just want to email you every day. And, you know, list fatigue is is there. And then there's the second layer where like, okay, if you actually engage in the beginning with my four video sequences, I look at you as a different kind of engaged user. And that might get you an email every four to five days. And then if you up your relationship with me, you know, like multiple clicks, um, you know, multiple recent clicks. Um, then I like I have this little pyramid I actually have names like acquaintances and then then you become you know I, I forget like my specific terminology but at the top you're my homeboy you know and, <laughs> and, and that might get you an email every every two days Derek but at that point you're so engaged in feeling me in my process that you you don't mind and think about the people in your inbox that have reached that level with you in your psychology you're like you know you'll delete everything else but you'll leave them there because they prove to you, that every time you open their email, there's value there and you can't go wrong. And so I want to become that person, but I don't automatically assume I'm that person from the day out. I've tried to let the technology and the tagging systems, you know, once you get a certain tag, to me, it's like, you've, you've, you've accomplished something from, from my end and that to reward you. And I, you know, I, I increase frequency with you. And, uh, and so that, that, that's kind of how it works. So if you're like the best client, you'll probably, It depends because sometimes if you're the best client, you can get less emails because there's no reminders in there. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So I guess I guess it just depends. Every once in a while, I go through my own sequence and see. But I'd say on average, probably every three to four four days if you're doing what I want you to do.
1: And, you know, that's interesting. I want to I want to. Uh, sort of extrapolate on something you just said here, you said, so you just finished up and said every three to four days. Now, one of the things I want to clarify is the way you do this, To send something every three or four days can go extremely well, as it does for you, or it can go poorly. I sign up to lists that I get emailed every two days, three days, four days, and it's just, you know, hammering me with buy this, buy this, buy this. And if you did the same thing, you would probably have uh, list fatigue people unsubscribing, complaining very, very quickly. But one of the things that I want to point out to the listeners here is, Jermaine is not, you're not actually emailing uh, a set sequence of on day three, on day five, on day 10, guaranteed everybody's going to get this every mm-hmm. single time. And, and 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 this is how t- most people think about autoresponders. But to that point, autoresponder technology has gotten so much smarter. And this is how we need to be using it today, whether you're using Infusionsoft like you do and I do, or GetResponse has smart responders now, uh, AWeber has smart responders, where now they're action-based autoresponders. So right. a- as you said people only get an email in in many cases if they've done something right so it's so relevant to them and and so i just wanted to really clarify that for the listeners so that people understand that you can email people daily if they're super engaged and they want to hear from you. And the technology exists for us to determine if they're engaged and to, d- to determine that on autopilot. So that's a, that's, that's a super valuable lesson you just, just taught to everybody there. And it's a real shift. And I think how a lot of people think about email marketing now. Uh, next, uh, next question is I'm just mining you for as much information as possible <laughs> and you're being so, you're being so generous with it as well. That's what I love about you. Uh, you never hold back. Now the, uh, you're not just using email though. Yeah. And, and I know this because you let it slip a minute ago. You also text people, right? Absolutely. So, so, you know, we're in a world now where I, I, I agree. I believe that email is still the dominant, um, Uh, communication channel to get the highest response. But there's all these peripheral communication channels that exist now as well, whether it be social, whether it be SMS and text messaging, whether it be webinars or whatever. What are the different um, mediums that you're using, channels that you're using to communicate through a funnel?
0: Yeah, we're using just about everything. And like I said, it's, it's always been the answer to that question, like, what else can I do? And so, yeah, emails the the foundation. And what, what we'll do is we'll offer, we'll make an offer, a very low-end offer for like this CD set, and that'll give us an address and a credit card. And with that... We'll incorporate uh, our first set of direct mail. And Infusionsoft, for example, you can uh, like one of your steps, like just like a regular autoresponder, like you can throw out an email here, throw out an email there. Well, you can throw out a letter, like which is direct mail. You can throw out a CSV file for your, you know, mail house. They'll get a file every day, you know, titled, send these people, you know, letter one two three, or you know, mm-hmm. so we already have all of our letters. Let's say we've got like Dan Kennedy long style letters. We've got catalogs, and they're already labeled. So the people get steps like that. But I don't want to give everybody. Like, I'm not, I'm not. I, I come from the internet. I'm a little spoiled, you know, compared to those old school <laughs> direct marketers. So I'm not just you know throwing out you know direct mail letters just to do it. But as you ascend, you know, in your customer value, and that could just be taking me up on a on an offer that's just A little bit more serious than my four videos. Now you're getting direct mail from us. But another thing that we do that a lot of people don't do is as you're watching the four videos, there's an offer to join my Monday Music Minute, and that's a text message of the week. Program and somebody said, "Wow, you're you're sending out a text message every Monday." No, I created those text messages in 2008. I did 156, I believe, all at once. I just, I mean, and they're not hard. They're like little tweets. So I just sat down. It only took me like two, three hours, and I just said, "How many different music concepts can I boil down into a little tweet?" Like, like one of them, for example, and somebody's gonna get this. You know, you can play a minor scale by just playing a major scale. From the sixth tone to the next sixth tone, like you just you can, a major scale becomes a minor scale by starting on the sixth tone. Like so, it, and that I can say that in like 156 characters. That that becomes one of my messages. But what it also does is it's a unique way to get um, a cell phone number, a mobile phone number. And this is different than where people start uh, text messaging because you did a reminder on a webinar, like you wanted to get a reminder, so you put in your cell phone. That does not naturally give permission to keep you know sending me messages so people kind of walk that fine line there you're not you know you're, you're not supposed to send them you know messages six months from now just because they gave you their text message but when you're sending a monday music minute every Monday into perpetuity, you know, like we are. So mine is three years in advance. Cause if you do 56 weeks, 52 weeks times three, that's that's about 156 messages. And so if I throw in a, you know, I know it's Monday Music Minute, but if I throw in a little offer, you know, that a tag team with an email that they got on a Wednesday morning, they're not gonna mind that because I'm giving so much value every Monday. So the question is, how can I incorporate all these other channels but how can I do it in a way that is uh, less obtrusive and more strategic? Like even with the direct mail, we got something called a monthly music mentor, and that's a CD they get every month, you know, for like 20 bucks a month. But as Dan Kelly would say, you know, your newsletter and that media that you send in the mail, that is the best vehicle to advertise other stuff. No one's gonna mind that I put a little flyer in there for something. So now, I'm in your direct mail, I'm on your cell phone, I'm in your email box, and, um, and many things. I'm in your birthday, like, you, you give me your birthday, another, okay. I'm gonna give you another strategy. How do you collect birthday? Okay, well, remember my rule. Yeah, you can just ask for birthday, but how do I do it strategically and how do I make it make sense where they they can answer the question, why do you want to know that, right? Why do you want to know that? Well, when they uh, buy one of our products, we give them digital downloads or they're buying a digital download. And to access the digital download, I ask for email, obviously, but instead of you coming up with a password, Derek, I say, you know what? People forget passwords, we've learned, but they never forget birthdays. So we want you to use your birthday as your password. <laughs> <laughs> and you can go to hearandplay.com forward slash digital center till this day. Uh, and you can see where people have to log in with email and birthday. But what do we do? We take that data and now you get a birthday card from us. You get Starbucks cards. You get cookies. You know, So we're implementing gift marketing. We're implementing birthday cards, all the different modalities, but in ways that don't seem obtrusive and in ways that are very strategic for us to continue to get our messages into different places that they convene.
1: That's brilliant. And, uh, you know, the lesson to take away from everything you just said there, uh, yeah, I, well, there's multiple lessons, but so many people get online and they just focus on email. And they think, okay, I've got, a, I've got an email. I'm just going to email it. But there's so many creative ways that you can use these other channels. And you've given us a, a, quite a few there. But what's unique about how you're doing this? And what I want everybody to take away is you're doing it in in – Kind of a stealthy way where it never feels wrong, it never feels dirty, it never feels like you're you're just asking for stuff so you can market stuff, which is absolutely brilliant. And uh, okay, so uh, you know we're 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 running out of time here, and I've got a couple more questions for you now. Anybody in your position that's been around for a while that has this sophisticated of uh, a marketing system you're i don't even have to ask to know that you're a data driven person, right? And you're you're probably constantly measuring stuff. So when people are getting started, what are the you know what are the top KPIs, key performance indicators, metrics whatever you want to call them that you're looking at on a daily, weekly, monthly basis?
0: That's a great question. So I take this approach. I don't know who I got it from, but forest trees, branches, leaves, forest trees, branches, leaves, and leaves are very specific things, you know, for a beginner to be wasting their time on a red versus blue headline, not to say that won't make or or break something, but you know, my perspective on it, which is a lot contrarian, is I, that's very leafy. That's very specific. And if you're Agora or you're sending out a million pieces of mail, well, that blue versus red, even if it only lifts you by 0. 0.025 or whatever. It makes a difference with a million pieces that could be the mm-hmm. difference in a hundred grand and more profits or whatever but with a hundred eyeballs seeing it, it it may not even affect one because it's not even the percentage isn't even big enough to even affect one action so you have to be careful with those kinds of things so the bigger metrics like forest metrics are first of all if i like you said it if i plug in an email address you know after a finite period of time what has my lifetime customer value been? And this is not that hard to do, especially for all the people listening. You've already got a track record. You've already got some customers in. You know, we've got particular things that uh, inside of Infusionsoft, we can go to reports and I can say, hey, tell me everybody in January, 2014, we take about a 14 month window, Derek. So tell me everybody, you know, let's say in January, 2014. And that means their contact had to be created in that month. And then I want to see what that group is worth now, let's say 14 months later, right? And, and then I divide by the number of people in that, in that population, in that group. And that'll tell me, wow, after 14 months, you know, that group is worth $500 each, you know, on, on average. And then I go to February, I could do the same thing with February and see if that holds true. If I want to, I can keep doing that if i want to and that'll give me a very confident number an average if you will of what my customers are worth because um like like absolute lifetime is very hard because like like time is still going. So it's always gonna get higher, you know, because like if I started something a year from now and now I just launched something uh, on year two, well, my lifetime's gonna rise, you know, but I wanna know relative uh, because everything's automated, first of all. So I wanna know in the first 14 months, no matter when they start on average, what are they going to be worth a year and two months later, you know, for example, or just a year later? And that gives me the confidence now to be able to go out to Facebook. And if I'm going to do an advertisement, a lot of people, they'll turn off their advertisements because they didn't make that money back today. You know, they spent $100 and they didn't make 150 back, you know, then they're discouraged, you know, where I might spend that same $100 Let's just say I do. I do a one time offer. You know, I do all the same stuff everybody else does. But let's just say it only makes back 60 bucks. Okay. one hundred dollars. It only made back 60 bucks. Well, yeah, I could be amateurish and I could shut that down. And there's other reasons, cash flow reasons and stuff like that. Or I could say, you know what? Let me follow that same person. Let me keep going. I know their record was created today. Let me see where they're at a month from now. You may find out that that sixty dollars raises to ninety dollars right? And now you're just $10 away from what you spent a month ago. Let me follow him six weeks from now. And you might find out that $90 is now at 105. You may say, okay, two months from now, you may find out that 105 is now at 130. And looking back, would you have done that investment? Would you have put $100 down to make back 130 in two months? Let's not treat the internet differently than we do the Dow Jones or S&P 500 index fund if you if you wait a year to get 10% of your money back on the stock market why can't you wait 60 days 90 days six months to get back fifty percent on the internet let's not treat the internet differently (laughs) than any other financial vehicle of investing Uh, you just have to look at that that's a forest way to look at things lifetime value and it doesn't have to get too advanced just kinda know just have a a good idea of how much that person's gonna be worth after so much if you got to go in and look at every customer just figure that number out because that'll give you more confidence and Uh, Dan Kennedy, all the guys say, you know, if you can spend more to acquire a customer, you win. Proactive Solution, all these companies, you know, they spend, you know, several months it it takes to make their money back. But that's usually the difference. Right. Okay, so that's a big number. Now, if you come down to a tree number, it's going to be stuff like what is your opt in conversion rate? Because all those things will affect if you can get leads for 50 cents versus a dollar and 50. Well, that's three more. Times the people into your funnel, which means, you know, three times more likelihood that, uh, you know, you'll get three times more sales, hopefully, if everything holds true. So, yeah, you want to make sure your opt-in conversions are right. You're looking at, you know, your, your conversions to your first offer. You're looking at those kinds of numbers. You're looking at your uh, double opt-in conversions, you know, depending on how uh, stringent you are, if, if you require a double opt-in or not. Um, Then you're looking at like uh, RFM data, for example. So once they buy, it's not over. A lot of people, they they go have their party and then go celebrate because they got that sale. The the party only starts when you get that first sale. So you ought to be tracking stuff like how um, RFM stands for recency, frequency, monetary. So you should be tracking on average, when is the last time my customers have done business with me? So all you got to do there is if they, if they do business with you January 1st, just go out and calculate on average how long it takes for your customers to come back to make their next purchase. And you ought to be constantly focused on decreasing that number. Frequency, how often do they order? If I take that same 14-month period or 12-month period or even six-month period, how many sales do I get from the same customer? Right? And just go research how to do these calculations and spreadsheets and stuff like that. And and monetary, how much is that person going to be worth, which we've actually talked about. And knowing those numbers is huge um, because that'll tell you, number one, if you do want to send direct mail or you do want to uh, spend a little bit more money on these customers, right, it tells you which ones to focus on. Are you going to go to your bottom of the ladder, people, or are you going to go to your... Highest recency, people that have done business with you most recent, people that have done most frequently, people that have spent the most, right? You're going to spend your dollars on on those people. So I'm looking at those kind of metrics. And then, you know, the next level metrics, very specific metrics like open rates of, of each email in my sequence, click rates of each email in my sequence, um, you know, specific things like that, time on page engagement numbers right and then like the leafy stuff is like i said you know testing really really specific stuff but i've made enough money focusing on those big numbers like lifetime value and recency frequency monetary and just knowing how much i can spend and even if i want to go get a credit line or something like that if i'm confident that that money's going to be back in six months that, that's such a powerful stance to to be at and it, it takes up most of my time and I, I don't really have to worry about red versus blue headlines not to say i wouldn't but if i reach got you know to the multiple millions of eyeballs I'd go down that deep. But really focusing on those big numbers and watching those like a hawk uh, for a year, and you'll see drastic growth.
1: Wow. Yeah. You just gave basically a master's degree education (laughs) in in direct response marketing in about five minutes. Um, that, That was beyond impressive what you just delivered there. And and for everybody listening, I think you're going to want to rewind that a few times. And honestly, Jermaine, that is one of the best explanations I've ever heard of how you do it with the, the you know, the forest, the trees, the branches, the leaves, w- what level you're focusing on. And, uh, you know, one of the key points that you really emphasize there that I want to highlight again is lifetime value. And lifetime value becomes so important because, As Jermaine said, if you can spend more for the advertising to acquire a customer, you win. Period. End of story. And, uh... Uh, yeah, so I mean th- let me say thank you for everything you just shared though that was fantastic, absolutely fantastic now as we're we're cu- coming up to an end of the interview and 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 which really sucks because honestly um, I would love to just sit here and pick your brain for about the next six hours <laughs> at, at least and uh, and I'm sure that wouldn't be enough time um, so I'll, I'll try and convince you to come back on this podcast in a future episode so we can continue this conversation but before we wrap up today, um, two questions for you you know for people that are just starting out, just getting started in this adventure and this journey, becoming an entrepreneur online, uh, you know, you've been there, you started this, uh, you know, you, you don't have a formal education in this. You've taught yourself. What's your message when somebody's just getting started? What message would you send to them?
0: Um, absolutely. That's that's a great question. And uh, what I would say, and you know this too, Derek, uh, got this from uh, Gary Halbert, is Uh, be market centric, right? And not necessarily product uh, centric, right? So go figure out where people are hanging out, congregating, you know, the Facebook advertising, if you haven't um, just activated it, even if you don't have anything to sell yet, just go activate that part of Facebook. I always tell, I started something called online music business and it was like, teaching musicians how to become like teachers and harness the power of the internet and stuff like that. Just an evolution of here and play. And I said, what side of the internet are you on? Are you on the Facebook side browsing and liking, or are you on the side perusing through research data and, and advertising? And there's two sides of Facebook people that are on there. Don't message me. I'm not on there hanging out. Yeah. You know, I'm on there in the ads department and I just can't figure out how to turn my status off, you know, but I'm, I'm looking at, you know, so go in there, just for the reason to be able to type in little keywords, you know, there's an interest box and just go in there and type in keywords so that you can see all the relevant pages that come up in the reach. Like Facebook will show you, oh, there's five million people that are in the piano by ear association. Oh, that's that's perfect. Oh, there's there's 180,000 people that like this particular gospel musician. Oh, okay. And just go through there and just try to find groups of people, um, try to find specific groups, you know, and just go in there and be become one of those persons and develop like a clear sense of uh, some would call it an avatar of who the person is that you want to help. So clear. Like, what do they look like? What's their age? What's their, uh, you know, what's what's their social status? How much income do you think they make? Uh, What do they like to read? What sites do they like to go to? So you got a mix of demographic and you got psychographic data. And I think having an intimate knowledge of who that person is and knowing that they exist and just kind of sneaking and seeing how they talk and the problems they put in the groups um, will have such a huge impact When you go, you know, like with copywriting, you can go take somebody's course and learn how to copyright. But when you just know who you're talking to, like you're talking to a friend, you can take a whole lot more pressure off just writing to a person you know has a particular issue and you know how to write to um, them to appeal to them. You know, for example, a guy just sent out an email today that I saved and it said something about... um, how to be in a relationship with like an overachiever or something. And it, it it was like perfect. Like me and my wife were both like, like that, but I, you know, I forwarded it to her cause I was like, you know, this, this may have, I'm going to read this too, but this, you might want to read it as well. You know, cause you know, we're both, we got our, our things. And it was like totally for me, like how would he know that that would be a, a good topic, right? Cause he's taking time to go in the minds of his market And be like, yeah, there's probably like these relationship things where like, you know, a person wants to take over the world. And what does their wife or their husband think? And how do they deal with that? What are the kind of conversations they have? You know, that's, that's really getting into the minds of your market. So even in the beginning, you know, Gary Halbert said, if I had a hot dog stand and you had a hot dog stand and we could bet on what thing, if something could fall out of the sky and I could say, you can give me that thing, you know. Uh, to increase my business, what would I ask for? And then other people in his audience, when he did this exercise said, give me the best hot dog maker because if I got the best hot dogs, it'll sell itself. You know, I'm making this up, but that's the, the spirit of it. Or give me the best signage, you know, because of, I can attract people with, you know, fancy graphics. They'll come and line up. And then another person said, give me the best this, give me the best that. And then Gary Halbert said, you know what, you know what I would want? Just give me a starving crowd. Give me a starving crowd coming from a party or whatever, and I don't have to have the best sign. I don't even have to have the best hot dog or the best technology or the best booth. Just give me a starving crowd, and they'll be lined up you know, for hours, right? That's the spirit of it. You can almost make all the mistakes, but if you actually pick your market right, you really take some time there and really focus on a group like piano by ear, the thing I, I have to say that made us so successful in the beginning is that when everybody's teaching sheet music and classical and Beethoven and Bach and then I come out teaching like piano without all that stuff by ear and, and then focusing on church musicians where they are.
1: Looks like Jermaine just lost his Internet connection and uh, I will be right back as we get him back online. one second and you'll hear a little bit of a cut and then uh, we should be back in a sec.
0: So I'm back on my cell phone connection. Sorry about that. But like I was saying, even with Here and Play in the early days, I could it was so forgiving. I mean, I, I go back and I look at my marketing and there was a lot to be desired there. But think about what I did there. I went into a niche and I was able to just go a little deeper and really connect with a pain point that had been underrepresented. So, you know, I'm not going to teach people how to play sheet music like the millions of other, you know, students out there, or Bach, Beethoven. That wasn't our approach. Our approach was playing by ear. And even more specifically, we naturally found a knack for the gospel industry, which was totally ignored. You know, you you can't go to college or music conservatory to learn how to play, you know, soulful gospel music. So when we came on the scene, we were like this new, fresh, oh, my gosh, I can learn how to play like soulful charismatic church music like so my market was ready and I remember you know having no money we started the site you know $70 and I remember our first launch you know back in like 2002 where you know we made $6,000 selling our first like gospel DVD in one day that was big money to me and then that month we would do like $35,000 that was like our first entrance into gospel music But not because our sales page was dialed in and we had this leafy uh, red versus blue kind of testing or multivariate. No, we didn't have any of that. We just had a market that aligned with what we were offering and the rest worked itself out. And obviously I got more sophisticated over time. And I, you know, went from forest level to trees and I got more specific, you know, with, um, branches. And then there's some leafy things that we do very, (laughs) very specific and honed in, but you don't have to start there. I think you pick your market, right? You pick your pain points, you pick where you want to be, where you want to be positioned, where you want to help in the world, where you want to give back, where you want to have your place and home, be, and just progress confidently. And knowing that, you know, this is a business that you're creating. Don't look at this any differently than going starting a brick and mortar. But just know that it is going to be a little easier and a lot less costly than starting a brick and mortar. But still, bring in the same amount of commitment and um, and, and but go with confidence that you pick the right niche. But be flexible. You know, if they don't come you know, you've done all you can, and you just don't resonate with them, be flexible enough to say, you know what, maybe I picked the wrong market, I'll reinvent myself, and I'll progress. But one thing I won't do is I won't stop.
1: And that is serious words of wisdom. And I could not agree with you more. Now, just to wrap things up, Jermaine, you know, where can people learn more about you? Now, first of all, if you guys want to learn how to play piano by ear, I'll fully endorse hearandplay.com. Why? Because I've been to Jermaine's house and I've seen what he's able to do on a piano and (laughs) it blew my mind, okay? So, uh, you know, bottom line is, if you want to learn how to play piano, go to (laughs) hearandplay.com. But, you know, if people want to learn business stuff from you, if they want to learn more about automation, where's the place to go?
0: automationclinic.com is my home there,
1: automationclinic.com. And if you want
0: to uh, get on some specific videos uh, that we've created there, it's automationvideos.com. And I also want to thank you, Derek. I-, I didn't get to talk more about that story after I went to college, and then I found you guys. Like, this was like uh, 13 years ago, I, I found the Internet Marketing Center, and that would create a relationship with you and, and Corey. And, you know, Corey, you know, would pass away in 2005, exactly like 10 years from now. So I just have to say that this is more special to me than – I've done three interviews this week, but this one is probably the most special interview of the year, seeing that it's it's been 10 years, and you guys are a huge part of my success and really transitioning me from being in the wilderness, you know, mm-hmm. in a college and trying to figure this thing out to really putting those direct response marketing uh, tact, I mean, strategies with internet marketing tactics, and it really all came together for me in 2002. That was my turning point, and I tell that story to this day. March 2nd, 2002, I bought you all's course, And I remember, you know, changing around my sales page and stuff like that. And that was my first thousand dollar day. We made eleven hundred dollars that day, March 2nd, 2002. And my life would never be the same after that. And that would put me on a trajectory to where we are today. So I just want to say I would be remiss if I got off this call and didn't dedicate that to Corey Rudel and you yourself, Derek Gale, uh, because you guys have definitely been a huge inspiration to me and my journey.
1: Oh, thanks very much, Jermaine. That means a lot to me. And and you know, it, it's interesting. It's been ten years now, and and uh, you know, thanks for taking the time to be here. Like I said, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt you down again. This is this isn't the last interview we're gonna do, because um, I think you've got so much gold there in in your mind that I want to get at. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, again Jermaine thanks very much for taking the time here today I know everybody learned, will learn a lot uh, I mean you were so generous with that thanks again thanks so much and uh, I look forward to connecting with you again
0: absolutely my pleasure
1: thank you guys All right, everybody. That was another episode from EntrepreneurIgnited.com, full of valuable tips. I would recommend that if you're listening to this in your car, you're just kind of listening. Take this back. Listen to it again and again. There, Jermaine shared so many tips, strategies, tricks that you can utilize to grow your business. I don't care what level you're at, whether you're just getting started, whether you're advanced. uh, There was something there for everybody, and that's what you know. That's what I want to bring to you guys in a podcast. Um, Not fluff. Not theory. But real practical entrepreneurs that are doing it. And Jermaine is one of the most one of the guys that I respect that has done this for a very, very long time. So there's a lot to learn there. So thank you very much, and we'll see you in the next episode.
0: You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, where we aim to simplify online business so you can make more money. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale.